You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1074 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast today. I'll be joined momentarily by Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops to continue our player capsule series. Zach and I have already talked about four different players on the Hawks roster dating back to last week. It was Clint Capella, Anyaka Kongwu, and the first edition of this podcast series. And then we followed that up with Kevin Herter and DeLon Wright. In the middle of that, some breaking news on Clint Capella's extension last week that we talked about on this podcast, and I was also joined on Tuesday by Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons for a crossover event. As I said on that podcast, I will not do much, if at all, about the Atlanta Falcons, but uh, once it, basically once a year, I will say, I talked to Aaron about some Falcon stuff on this podcast, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If you listened to it, if not, that's totally okay, and we're back to Hawks Talk today. Basically, it's been all quiet. Uh, I'm knocking on wood right now because the uh, season's set to begin in just a few weeks. In fact, we're less than three weeks away from training camp and media day and all that fun stuff. But no big news for the Hawks since Click Capella's extension last week. So nothing really to update you on. I have some mailbag stuff stored up for later on that I will drop at some point when I can answer some questions on the podcast. But uh, basically, we're just grinding away till the season begins. And once the season begins, we'll be back to five days a week, basically. And uh, all systems go at that point in time. If you missed anything from the from this player capsule series, basically the idea is between Zach and I, we're talking about every player on the Hawks roster between now and the season starting, uh, touching on last season in part, also some context overall and what kind of players they are, and then looking ahead to this season as well. Basically, I didn't have a ton of time to wrap up last season because it was straight into the draft and for agency, etc. So I would normally do a player review series of sorts. So kind of a combination between the reviews and the previews this time around and some player capsules talking about these guys in some depth. Not crazy one-hour episodes on every single player, but you know, 20 minutes on each guy, something like that. And then every, every one of these podcasts will have at least one of the bigger names on the roster to sort of balance things out along the way. So today's podcast, as you probably already saw when you're about to uh, click on this podcast, was Lou Williams. And then we'll also talk about Cam Reddish in the second half of this podcast. But before we get to Zach and all of that talk, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Basketball is always the centerpiece of this podcast, but it's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams across the country are getting back on the gridiron to start the 2021 season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the professional and college football action this season. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at BetOnline.ag. Head to the website immediately or use your mobile device sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with the site. Be sure to take full advantage of the opening day Super Promo. If you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when you sign up and use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. In addition to football and basketball, they have baseball and golf, tennis, MMA, boxing, auto racing, everything that you're looking for. You can find it all in one place at betonline.ag. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's podcast is also sponsored by DirecTV. 
Tell me if it sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I'm joined now by a friend of the podcast and a recurring guest for this particular segment of the podcast. Zach Hood is here. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? Appreciate you having me on again. My pleasure. Uh, and on the docket today, we'll talk about two players. They are at different ends of the aging curve, one might say. Uh, we'll talk about Lou Williams in a second and also Cam Reddish later on in the podcast. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I've talked about Lou and watched Lou play basketball for a long time, probably longer than anyone in the league because I watched Lou play in high school. Uh, it's been a while. And I'll just say this, he turns 35 in about a month. He's entering year 17, which is a lot of years to play in the NBA. So needless to say, he's not quite the guy he was in his prime, but uh, he's also in a situation now with the Hawks where he doesn't have to be that every night piece because they have DeLon Wright, they have, of course have Trey Young, etc. But I will just uh, say that at the top is that they brought they bring back Lou for one year. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, and we'll dive into this, but I'm not exactly sure if it's more having to do with just having Lou around or if they're going to rely on Lou. And I don't think anybody knows at this point in time, but uh, is that kind of where your head's at too? Like, what are you expecting from Lou right now? Because he's going to be 35 soon. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where if he was willing to come back, they weren't going to tell him no. So, and also I think he will have a role, but I mean, I was looking at his, um, his games played over the last few years and he was at 79 and uh, 17, 18, then 75 and 18, 19, and then he had 65 and 66 the last two seasons. I, I think with Atlanta's depth this year, assuming they stay somewhat healthy, you could see him play like 50 games or maybe even maybe even a little bit less. And um, that might help him maintain like the same efficiency that he's been able to have, you know, in the last part of his career where he's kind of became like just a super weapon off the bench for playoff teams. Yeah, I think that, you know, famously, he's talked about how he does like to play in the afternoon, <laughs> for one thing. Like, that's more of a funny thing, but it also is a reminder that, like, they can just give Lou days off uh, and probably should do that this year, particularly when everybody's healthy and they have DeLon Wright and even, you know, even depth beyond that. Like, if they need to do that, they ha they also have Scar Mays. They also have even Sharif Cooper if they had to go that deep into the bench at this point in time. So there isn't the pressure to come out and play every single night for Lou. And I think it's also, this kind of goes with the age as well, but he's not a guy who's going to be as consistently effective. He's going to have nights when he's good and nights when he's bad. That was the case in the playoffs. I was looking at the playoff numbers before we started recording. And basically he had three or four games in the playoffs where he played well and did a lot. And the rest of the time it was kind of quiet or bad. Um, like he famously had that red hot game in game four against Milwaukee without Trey, where he kind of carried them. and was awesome, but it's not going to be every night with Lou. Like he's going to have it sometimes you kind of tell right away almost if he has it, but that's one of the benefits because I kind of with you, you know, he wanted to come back. They wanted him to come back. 
they really lauded him for his work with like a Kong Wu and some of the supporting young guys. He's good in the locker room. You know, he's kind of a different guy overall, but he likes to be in Atlanta, obviously. You know, he's from here famously and uh, is a good, he's kind of seen it all. We talked about this. I'm not sure if it was online or offline, but I think he's great for Sharif as well, like as a just mentor type um, kind of guy. So on the court, I think we kind of know what Lou is. We'll talk about it a little bit more in a second, but broadly speaking, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how much they lean on him. And if, if everybody's healthy, for instance, like regular season game one, when everybody's healthy, you would assume, you know, him versus DeLon Wright for playing time is interesting. I think we both said on the DeLon Wright podcast that we think Wright will play more. I, I stand by that. I think that Wright's going to be a little bit more flexible than Lou. He's a little bit younger, of course. And not that he's like leaps and bounds better, but I think I lean in that direction, which kind of gives you some freedom if you're Nate McMillan. Yeah, Nate, Nate's going to have a lot of options, especially compared to um... – Kind of when he took over, I guess I can't. I know Bogdanovich came back the same game that he took over, but I I know he's really (laughs) he's really never had Reddish or Hunter. I mean, the Knicks series he had Hunter, but wasn't that it? And Reddish in the Buck series, so yeah, it was like basically. So he's never he's technically never had them both. He didn't have. I mean, clearly, you know, we talked about it a lot. I think it was still underplayed nationally how much the Hawks were banged up last year the entire way. But yeah, I mean, the notion of if fully healthy, like kind of just never happened last season with the Hawks. Yeah, no, I mean, people just so, I mean, I, I guess though, the way I think the reason for that though, I will say is there were just teams that had like their best two players or their best player hurt. And the Hawks did at least have their best three players for most of the season. I mean, they had Trey Young and or Trey Young, Collins and Capella, like way more than when the, those guys only missed what, like probably 10 games each, if that. So I think, just with like people missing like just mega all-stars you just you're not going to hear about cam reddish and deandre hunter sure no I, I totally get it and you know in terms of on the floor it's a small sample size like, you know everything in one season is a small sample size but lou being traded mid-season you know he played 24 games in the regular season with the hawks he actually hilariously had some funny like shooting outliers he had a career high from three about 44 percent with the hawks and also a career low from two. He shot 37% from two with the Hawks, which is just kind of uh, funny. Uh, I think it's, there's obviously some noise there. But he is a lot more reliant on his jump shot now at this, at this point in his career. He's not, he's not going to get to the rim a lot. Um, he gets to the line still a decent amount because he's always been crafty like that. But he's not going to finish a ton at the rim. He's going to be reliant on his jump shot. If he has it, it's going to be good. If not, it's not going to be great. But his overall efficiency in Atlanta was like you know down a little bit in the regular season, but still up in the playoffs. He made a bunch of jump shots. And he was sort of better when he first got to the Hawks. Cooled off a little bit from there. You know, he was being compared to Rondo, and he was much better than Rondo was because Rondo was terrible. But, you, you know, when they traded for Lou, I talked to the guys who covered the Clippers, and they were like, you know, Lou's kind of Lou, but also just like a little bit diminished. And that's what happens when you're 34, 35 years old. So, I mean, turnover rate was fine. His assist rate's actually above, from last year's actually above his career baseline. So, like, he's kind of the same player, just not going to be quite as consistent and I don't think he can get to the rim like he used to yeah no I mean that's I mean he's 35 so like I don't I don't know if that's you know that's probably going to stay the way it is and obviously get worse as he you know ages but I think as far as next season the Hawks should be able to manage him to where he he can be if he's not himself there's no reason to force him out there and like make him figure it out or anything if he's banged up or struggling a little bit you know he'll have time to to kind of find it and uh figure out a way to help the team and if he doesn't I mean if the worst case happens just like 
you know, I would hate to see it as much as anyone, like being, being from Georgia, obviously, you know, I've known who Lou was since he got drafted and, you know, even before that. So, but just, you know, the worst case is, you know, maybe if he did have, you know, something happen to where he was just kind of done as far as contributing on a playoff team. Um, like you said, with the depth, they don't particularly um, need him, I guess, and that wouldn't be like the end of the world. So I think the expectations for Lou are, are kind of already there just because of what he's always been. But in terms of, you know, pressure, I think, you know, he can kind of just play when he feels like it. Yeah, I think the downside of bringing him back is like basically none, especially it's just money um, for Tony Wrestler. I don't think that they need him, quote unquote, right now. I do think that if, you know, if he was just suddenly gone, like season ending injury or something like that, they would have to, you know, maybe bump up Sharif or, you know, go to Skylar Mays more often. Like they have some good depth in the backcourt, even without Lou. And he's just kind of a filler on top in a nice way. I mean, he can give you that ceiling. Of, if Trey has to miss a week or two, um, you can throw Lou out there and feel like he gives you a pretty decent chance to do a lot of things alongside DeLon Ryder, you know, behind them or even in front of him at times. We saw that in the playoffs. I mean, that's an outlier game, but that game four against Milwaukee, he was a huge part of them winning by 20 without Trey. Like that, that did happen in the playoffs. Um, so he has the upside still, you know, it is worth pointing out that like some people and some of the projection systems in particular kind of see Lou as like a minimum guy at this point in time. He got, he got more than that, but that might've just been like a gesture to him. Uh, they might've been able to get him for less than that probably. And again, it's just money, but I think you kind of have to view him as closer to a veteran minimum guy now than he was when he was, you know, six man of the year and all that stuff. He's, he's a little bit different than that. But I think we both seem to agree here. It's kind of a luxury to have him. Uh, they don't necessarily, quote unquote, need him, but he will probably do something for you. You know, he'll win you a quarter, he'll win you a half here and there. And over the 82 game season, because we're back to 82 now, that's important to point out too. It's going to be a long, long season. You might even want to give Trey a couple of days off along the way. And that's where Luke can get some, uh, some more of his value. Yeah, it's crazy that he won. I mean, I think most people, if you just said, oh, yeah, Lou's won the sixth man award three six man of the year award three times people would guess like it happened longer ago than it really did wasn't it 18 and 19 that did he win two years in a row i'm, I'm looking this up now as we talk because it was it, there's at least one that's very recent and i can't remember when the other ones were yeah he, uh, yeah he won 18 and 19 so 15 18 19 so essentially he was already in his not post prime but like 2015 he was already 29 years old when he won i think so his first time <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, them two in his early 30s. I just shows you, I mean, if something were to happen to someone else and Lou had to play, I mean, it, he might be able to turn the clock back and kind of be like, you know, 90% of that 2019 player if he really had to. I don't think we'll ever, I don't think that'll, you know, come to I fruition. I mean, Hawks fans need to be hoping that, that it doesn't happen because that means Trey's been injured or something. Um, yeah. And also we should, I think we kind of, it's implied and people know this, but Lou is a bad defensive player. I think we should at least acknowledge that quickly. Um, that's not a secret by any means, but that does kind of limit what they can do with him in certain lineups. Like I kind of famously do not want them to ever really play Trey and Lou together. They did it in the playoffs. I think they kind of had to because they were so shorthanded and they were kind of playing from behind at times. But I think as a general rule, that does kind of limit what he can do in terms of playing the two as he has sometimes in his career because it's just defensively playing him with Trey is uh, kind of untenable for the most part, even if, as we'll get to later on in Trey's thing uh, in the future, uh, Trey's better than he used to be, but still those two guys playing together is not what you want. Yeah, it's just a size thing, really. I mean, even if, I mean, those guys aren't aren't great defenders even for their size, but even if they were, you still wouldn't be like, there aren't many NBA lineups around the league where there's like two six one guys. So 
it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just, it probably won't happen much at all this year. Um, but I mean, I'm sure we'll see it for, you know, a moment at some point. Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. I just, I realized when we're talking that we had to talk about defense. Yeah, I think people just kind of know the deal if you're a Hawks fan, but in case you didn't, Lou is a pretty bad defender. You could talk about how bad maybe. I think, honestly, I think Lou's probably worse than Trey at this point. Um, you know, it's small, smaller sample sizes, so who, who, who's to say? But regardless, uh, he is obviously below average there, and we're trying to give sort of a full picture of these guys, and at least it's at least worth mentioning. But the, the value that he's going to bring you is just with his jumper and um, his creativity, his passing, and operate pick and roll with the best of them and all that stuff. So Lou brings you that veteran presence, and uh, like we kind of said, if you, even if he's not playing every night, he can still bring value, which is a nice thing to have on a uh, you know, when he's like your 12th guy. That's uh, not too bad. Uh, anything else you want to add on Lou before we move on to Cam? No, I, I agree with everything you said. I think uh, one thing I was going to say, but I forgot to say it when you were talking about uh, Lou Williams and Sharif. Um, based on Instagram, they seem to already like have a relationship and everything, just both being from Georgia and being, you know, famous high school basketball players. I, mean, I think that's going to be like such a natural thing between those guys. But other than that, you know, I think we. We covered it for sure. Yeah, I think that all uh, that all makes sense um, in my mind. Um, all right, before we get to Cam Reddish and some extensive talk about the soon-to-be third-year swingman, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein, the calorie range is 130 to 180, they only have 4 to 5 grams of sugar and they only have 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board, they're all tasty and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. All right, Zach, let's talk about Cam Reddish. Obviously, at the opposite end of Lou and his career trajectory, 
Um, kind of a lost year last year for Reddish in some ways. Was very limited by injuries. Um, famously came back in the playoffs, but even then only for a small, small, small sample size, which we'll touch on again. But, uh, you know, top 10 pick two years ago um, has played 84 games. So basically played the equivalent of, a, of one full season in the NBA. The numbers are not great. We'll go over them at some level. But also there's this uh, lingering stuff about Cam trade rumors. You know, it's gotten a little bit quieter because it's just kind of a dead zone. But, um, you know, he was f- prominently involved in trade stuff around the draft, even into free agency. I don't think it would shock anyone if he was still traded at some point in the near future. But, you know, for now, we'll just assume he's on the team and uh, we'll kind of go from there, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it's all, I mean, maybe except for Hunter, but just that trio of Hunter, Herder, and Reddish, there's just naturally going to be trade rumors around those guys until two of them have contracts and one of them doesn't, and then you'll hear a lot about the one that doesn't. And if they all three got contracts somehow, I guess that'd be the only way we wouldn't hear some sort of rumor because they're all, you know, six, seven or taller. They all, you know, have shooting potential slash already can shoot and um, they can all play defense. So people are going to be wanting to know what the Hawks are doing with these guys because despite all the stuff that's happened with Cam that wasn't great, I think there's a lot of teams who, you know, are not out on, on Reddish. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting as far as, you know, where what his future is. But, I mean, I think if you're the Hawks, unless you get, like, a really great offer, I mean, you got to be excited about what you saw in that Buck series. I mean, I wouldn't overreact to, like, the shooting, um, just the small sample and all that. But um, he was, like, really, really good in that series and at certain moments and, like, ar- arguably, you know, their best player for, you know, six or seven minutes. And uh, I think it was that game six? I think it was game five. I'm looking this up now. I think it was, I think it was, it was in Atlanta, I think, because I think I was there. Well, that would, that would tell you. Um, Yeah. No, I, you know, it's really weird to have this conversation about Cam right now. And it's, you know, we're doing all these guys. And um, just for the record, it was game six. Yeah, that's what I thought. The last game. We had had 21 points in the, uh, in the loss. Um, six threes, crazy. Uh, just because of what he um, has and hasn't done. Like, Hawks fans have been in love with Cam since before the draft, and I've always liked Cam. I know you've liked Cam, and it's kind of just hard to talk about because, like, flat out, he's not been a very good NBA player through two seasons, and that's okay when you're 21, 22 years old as he just turned 22, but it's also, like, it's important context, and him having a hot shooting week in the playoffs, like uh, Cam shot uh, nine of 14 from three in the playoffs, um, which is, you know, that's good, but he's a career 30% shooter from three in the NBA on like almost 400 attempts. So like which sample of those do you trust? I mean, you kind of have to trust the larger sample for now. Uh, Same thing on like, he was also 10 of 22 on twos in the playoffs, which is like more of his normal rate of 45%. So like, what do you believe? I don't really know, but obviously he has upside. That's the thing about Reddish that everybody acknowledges and defensively, he's already quite good. And offensively you see the flashes, but it's hard to divorce the flashes from what like the real sample actually says, because if you look at the, you know, some advanced metrics, or if you look at his raw shooting numbers or any of that, like take away the defense for a second, which we, which I think we probably agree is pretty good. If not better than that, offensively like he's been a negative in the nba and i don't know how to really talk about that yeah i think the one 
the one part of his offensive game that's always been pretty good is his free throw rate and then his ability to make free throws. And that's kind of what makes me think if he can ever just stay healthy and get uh, consistent with his motion, I do think he could be like a, you know, a 33 to 36% three-point shooter, which is for his defense and size, you know, I think it makes him into like a, you know, quote unquote three and D kind of guy, especially when he's going to be adding, um, he's going to shoot more free throws than most three and D guys too. So I think while he might not shoot, you know, he might not push 40% from three, I think, you know, his true shooting and all that stuff, I think he has a chance to be, you know, a pretty good um, like tertiary or maybe even secondary option uh, on a second contract. But I think just for like a goal for him now would just be like a tertiary, you know, just kind of like maybe like playing off the ball slash on the ball a little bit with the second unit and um, just really just trying to be more consistent with the shooting because that stretch in the playoffs, I mean, it was a little more extreme just given that that was the most important games of the season and nine for 14 is, you know, a ridiculous hot streak, but he's kind of been like that throughout his career. You know, he'll go three weeks and shoot 18% and then he'll <laughs> go three weeks where he shoots 42%. Yep. So if he could just kind of, you know, cut out the weeks where he shoots, you know, I think he shot 26% for this season. I mean, that's obviously, if you just look at that, that's really concerning. But I think if you've watched a lot of Cam Reddish, you know, he's not a terrible shooter. And if you, even if you no. look at the numbers, he's a good free throw shooter. So I think there's still reason to think he could be better than he's been so far across those. I think he said 400 attempts. So yeah, definitely. No, I, I think I don't think any I don't think anybody thinks that he is a 26 percent three point shooter. Like I don't think anybody thinks that he's like a flat out like broken shooter. It's just that like even okay even if you go by his his rookie sample, which by the way he played more than twice as many minutes as a rookie as he did as a sophomore because of the injuries. So his rookie sample was actually, you know, a lot bigger. It was 33% from three. And, like, that is not terrible. It's not good. But, like, that's probably closer to where he actually is right now, I would imagine, as a three-point shooter. But he was also worse from two as a rookie than he was. Um, so there was sort of the give and take there. He shot more threes as a sophomore and just made fewer of them. Um, but, I mean, there's other things, too. It's not just that. Like, I, I do think that his finishing has, has come along. I kind of got yelled at a lot for pointing it out, but like his finishing as a rookie was more concerning to me than his perimeter shooting. Like he really struggled around the rim and he's not this ex- to- to- super explosive vertical athlete that's been litigated, but I, I want to just make sure we know that like he's twitchy for sure. And he's smooth. He's not this like incredible, like dunk on you vertical athlete at the rim. And that has to be like noticed. I mean, he looks like he probably would be, but he's not. Um, and that, you know, his, but, but on the positive side, his efficiency improved at the rim and that was good his two-point shooting is not great but it did come along a little bit last year so I don't really worry as much about that but I think you kind of mentioned it in there but he'll have these stretches where he's looks like he can't miss and he looks so good and so smooth when he's doing it that people just think of that and remember that and project that to be you know there's there's still the superstar notion with Reddish not that it's impossible that he could do that but People just kind of glom onto that, and you know, through you know, a season and a half, two seasons now, um, there's flashes of that, but not really what it actually is. And also, beyond the scoring, like this is still a guy who has more turnovers than assists in his career in the NBA. Um, he's not a good passer right now. Like, there's a lot to sort of nitpick through, and yeah, he's 22, and I don't think that you can like give a firm judgment on his offense, particularly after what last season was. 
but it's also worth just kind of pointing out what it actually was. Um, and people were, I think, justifiably excited about the Buck series and the playoffs, and that's and that sample and that um, that spotlight. But like, I, my brain will not allow me to trust that 14 shot sample over 400 attempts. Like, I just, you know, and it's not just the shooting, uh, three point shooting either. I think I probably did a decent job of saying that, saying sort of it's this holistic picture. But like, it looks good when it goes in, um, three point shooting, two point shooting, you know, all the stuff that he does. But like, you're. I've watched every minute of his career more, more than once, and like it's not it's not really that. Like his offensive package so far in the NBA is is not good, and that's it's okay to say that and also still believe because I still believe in him. That's the thing. Yeah, no, I mean I feel the same way. I mean, obviously you can't like watch what he's done so far and be like, oh wow, you know, that's he's been good on offense. But I think just given that that first year was such a d- developmental year for everybody on the Hawks I think um the fact that he shot 33 percent is actually like I don't want to say it's impressive but it's better it's honestly better than I would have thought if you would ask me because I would have the way people kind of acted about reddish you know well, well you, you you said it though I, I'm looking at this up now as we're talking yeah uh it was a stark split between like early and late even even then like he started out of the gate shooting like in the 20s for like the first like two and a half three months of the season, and then shot like thirty eight or forty percent in, in the second half. It's, it was the same thing. Like he has, it's the it's the cold stretches versus hot stretches thing. And you know he had a really hot shooting like two month period at the end of his rookie season that kind of brought that number up to thirty three percent. Yeah, but I mean I think he'll if you give him eighty games. I mean, I want to see it. He'll probably <laughs> do that again. Yeah, I mean, like like. Just last season, he only played 26 games. If he would have played 58 games again, like he did as a rookie, he probably would have been hot for two weeks at some point. Yep. Um, and I think his 26 games, like he was in and out a little bit before he shut it down. So it wasn't like he was like in rhythm for 26 straight games and then got hurt. It was kind of like, oh, you're going to start. Okay, now you got five games where he didn't start when he tried to come back, I think. And um, Yeah, I mean, people I, – I honestly forgot this too a little bit to some degree when I was looking at the numbers – like Cam started the vast majority of his games last year, which feels like it was like a lifetime ago, but he only came off the bench five times in the season last year. Like now that we've seen the team, how it is, we've seen Bogdanovich healthy. We've seen what Hunter can be all that stuff. Like Cam's not going to start for this team unless there's, unless there are injuries, but they opened the season last year with Cam as a starter on the wing. And I, I think, and we'll sort of finish off with this in a second um, with, with regard to his role, but like it's a lot has changed and that's not really his fault like getting injured and all that stuff and being banged up and just kind of, you know, being uneven. But he went from starting games last year at the end of the year to being, I think pretty much everyone, at least around the league, I know there are Hawks fans or Cam Reddish fans, but I think for the most part, everyone is viewing him as the fourth wing right now on this team, at least for, at least for right now. Like you may, you may disagree long-term, but in a game tomorrow, there is no one that I trust that would tell you that he's better than Kevin Herter or DeAndre Hunter or Bogdanovich right now. So like, rotational rotationally at the outset of the season he's their fourth wing and that's just like a pretty big change from where he was you know even you know 10 months ago yeah i mean he started he's played 84 games in his career he started 55 of them so that's kind of crazy considering you know the performance that he's averaged 27 minutes per game and that just kind of shows you where the hawks were that first year when they were um kind of not really winning a lot and <laughs> I mean we, we just, said this, we said this a lot a lot before I think you said it too like it's just the context has changed so much for the team 
since when these guys, particularly the wings, arrived, and you know, and Trey too, but like, there's no longer minutes that you're just given to develop in the way that he was given to develop, and so was Herder, and so was Trey at the beginning. Like, you have to be good to play now, and Cam might be good, but you know, I was gonna ask you, I'll just do it right now. Actually, it was on my list to ask you. He's averaged uh, 27 minutes a game in his career. It was 28.8 minutes a game last year. I mean, do you think he's going to play that much? Because I, I don't. If I had to guess, I would say like 24 or 25 per game. I think I mean, he's too he's too good to just – and too talented just to sit there. If he's not playing more than that, they'll trade him. I'll just say that. Well, yeah, I, I think that's actually interesting. Like, it's important – I told myself this too on some level, but the minutes per game figure – can trick people sometimes because um, there's like the everybody's healthy and everybody's active number. And then there's the also like when you factor in injuries and stuff like that, because like guys, particularly role players might play 35 minutes when somebody's hurt, but they might go down to like 18 minutes when everybody's healthy. And I think Reddish might be a good example of that. Like if you have a night where one of, one of the wings ahead of him is out, maybe he plays 33 minutes, but on opening night, if they have all four wings healthy, I think I project him closer to like 20. So it's going to be interesting to see where he actually lands there. Cause I agree at some point, like you want to see him, but that's, that's the test this year for Nate McMillan. We kind of talked about earlier with, with Lou in a, in a different way, but Nate is a coach that is kind of known for deferring to vets and like using vets and trying to win and playing to win games in the regular season. And if you're doing that, like there's an argument, um, Nate might not like to play Cam that much when he's trying to win games because Cam might not be one of his best eight or nine players that night. And that's interesting and people don't want to hear that, but like it'll be interesting to see what, like the way that Nate actually handles it, particularly at the outset if everybody's healthy. And that's a huge caveat, but I, I just don't know because also we haven't seen Nate coach Cam Reddish other than that playoff series where it was just like desperation, like Cam go out there and do something. Like, we don't know what Nate thinks of Cam, really, in terms of, like, his actual deployment. Like, we, we heard what he said in the playoffs. I was there, and you were there, and all that. But we don't know, in terms of, like, the rotation stuff and playing time-wise, what Nate actually believes with Cam. No, but like you said, there's going to be games Hunter's out. There's going to be games Bogdanovich is out. And there's also just going to be nights where Cam makes his first three shots, and he ends up playing more than Bogdanovich or someone. You know, I mean, people get hot, and if Cam's hot, I mean – He's better than Bogdanovich because of how much better he is on he is on defense. So I don't know. I mean, I think you're right in the sense that he's like probably eighth or ninth on the pecking order right now. But at the same time, I think like if he's on the team and and bought in, and it's not like oh we're gonna look you know for a trade for you somewhere. If it's not like that kind of mindset where he's just kind of chilling, waiting to be traded, I feel like I kind of expect him to have like a good year because i mean he's going to be playing against second units a lot as opposed to like his first like he's played versus starters most of his career and uh i think there's also going to be games where you know the only guy really other than him that can guard like an elite small forward like point forward kind of thing is uh hunter and you don't want hunter doing that for 40 minutes off a knee surgery so i i think there's a lot of stuff they can do with cam reddish and I think he's going to play, you know, if if he's on the team, he's going to play 25 minutes a game because he's good. I mean, I don't you don't have top 10 picks like sitting around us. No, I, I mean, that, that's it's really interesting because they're just most teams don't have this kind of depth. But I, I tend to agree. And particularly defensively, Hunter, it, we'll, we'll talk about him, too, at some point on this podcast. But Hunter is coming off the injury and was not 
you know, was not out there last year and kind of have a, kind of had a lost season two, other than his breakout early in the season. And Reddish is by far their other, you know, those two guys are, you know, far and away their best defenders on certain on certain players. Like Herder came a long way defensively. I think Herder's pretty good at this point. Um, but, you know, they, he can't match the physical stuff that Reddish and Hunter can do against, like, big, you know, against, like, Kawhi, or, like, I know Kawhi's hurt, but LeBron or whoever. Like, there'll be nights where they just have to use um, Reddish and Hunter on certain guys, like Jason Tatum or whoever you want to say. Um, and Hard, Harden, say, Harden, Durant, Middleton. Yeah, I mean, yeah, speaking of the Nets. Um, but, no, it's there might be situations where they have to lean on Reddish a little bit more like that. So we're all kind of guessing on rotations, but I do think that Reddish – is in their top four clearly I, I don't think that he's better than any of the guys ahead of him but he's he is a lot different and the upside is clear like I know we've talked around it but there is still a very 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 good player in there if he can put it all together offensively because of the defense is kind of already there I think um the way that he feels the game and if he can make his make jump shots have a little bit better shot selection finish a little bit better like it's it's not small improvements he has to make but I think he can make them and everyone knows what the talent is like the talent he was a top five rsti guy and like he's always been a premium talent so we'll see what that looks like but you know even if you just believe he's a role player long term um the stuff that he can do is very valuable as a role player because he's six eight and can play defense and that combination plus the ability to do some stuff on offense that's already a valuable piece in theory yeah, I mean, if you just think about the guys they're going to have to play against, especially at the top of the Eastern Conference, I mean, you would like to think the Hawks will stay at the top of the Eastern Conference. You got Jimmy Butler. You got the Nets big three. You got uh, Tatum, like you said. You got Middleton and Holiday. I mean, there's a lot of bigger kind of like physical dudes that you got to deal with. And if you're in a playoff series, the seven games, eventually someone's going to foul out. Someone's going to sprain their knee and, you know, maybe still be playing or not be playing. But, I mean, there's going to come a point where you need Reddish, I think. And I don't want them to trade him. I always kind of thought if he could just stay healthy and get, like, you know, just 60, 70, 80 games to just baseline and level out. I don't – and I don't even really care about the stats that much. I mean, I just – the turnovers are the big thing, like you said. Like, he's got to at least turn that ratio positive. But as long as he's not turning the ball over, like, a, a lot, I don't even care what the stats are because it's really just, like, we almost understated it, I feel like, on this uh, podcast that how good he is on defense. Like, he really is, like, he's very like good, sp- special on defense. And, like, I just want to say that. I don't want to just gloss over that and talk about all the – Oh, stuff, yeah. that, stuff that has went wrong. Like, he is, I mean, legitimately has incredible instincts. He gets some of the easiest steals that, like, you shouldn't see in an NBA game. You know, these are the best passers and decision makers in the world. And he's just, like, half-stepping, like, picking off Kevin Durant. And, like, uh, he just – it makes it look so easy on defense to where it's, like, if he even shows anything on offense, people lose their minds. So, I think, you know, it's still room to be optimistic. I think, you know, there's definitely – maybe temper the star expectations in year three uh just but as far as just a solid piece i mean i think the hawks are lucky to have him and just i I would just keep plugging and hope that he could figure it out i mean i don't know what you do about paying everyone but i (laughs) just that's a Tony Russell question if nothing else uh... keep kicking that down the road if i was schlink i mean what are you gonna get for reddish that's gonna help you that much more well i mean that's the thing i'll I'll ask you this too before we get out of here it's like I was on the record around the draft is like, you know, 
you there's a price where you trade Cam Rush. I, I do think that, but like that price was never reported. Like some of the reports that were out there that that were out there for Cam Rush, I was like, that's just not enough. Like it was like a like a five spot jump in the draft to go to trade Cam Rush. Like that's not nearly enough. Like I don't, I don't know what that deal is if it even exists right now, and but I know the one or two that got reported. My stance was like, no, you don't, you don't do that and give up on them. Like, I think that if somebody offers you a top five pick for him, then you you probably take it. But it's like, I, I think we um, have a higher opinion of Cam than his market seemed to be around the draft, from what I understand. And you know, you're right about his defense. His defense is really good, and the talent is there offensively as well. So. I still think that he has real value. Um, this is a big year for Cam. I think everybody probably can acknowledge that. You know, year three, and also just like hopefully he's healthy, and hopefully you know it's a new it's a new regime. It's a situation where it's kind of lower pressure almost because there are guys that are ahead of him in the pecking order, and this is a team that yeah they're trying to win, so that's also higher pressure. But it's not like Cam go play thirty five minutes a night for you this year. So. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him either. I mean, I could be wrong if you get an offer that bowls you over, but I think that offer is not really out there, and I think you're better off holding on to him and seeing what you can get because I think on the floor, as long as he stays healthy this year, you're likely to see his improvements. Like, I'm, I wouldn't say he's going to probably be a star this year, like you kind of said, but if you see that tangible improvement offensively to go along with what he already can do defensively, like we just said, like he can be a very, very solid player or better, and. Guys at six eight that could do what he do, do what he does. Like he, he, the, the, the player just not, does not grow on trees. It's just like you have to have, you have to have. Number one, you have to have guys like that to be a good team, and number two, you can't find them. Like players that can do what Cam could be able to do in a year or two, are not available in trade, and they're not available um, in free agency unless you're paying a ton. So if you can get those guys homegrown with a top ten pick, yes. But a ten, being number, pick number ten, like he's not expensive for two more years at least. So there's that there's that as well. Like he's gonna be very he's gonna be very valuable and I would not trade him the same the same as you. Do you have um I just curious if you had it handy. Do you know what five thirty eight valued him at on the side? Uh I had it up earlier, yeah. Um for next year it is eight point one million. Um and then nine point four, ten point five, ten point six. So the four year is about fifty million. No. Oh. Yeah, f- the five years is about fifty million, which is that's, that's going to change a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the rotation player thing, and even then, like that's what I was saying earlier. Even if you're not big on Cam, which I know Hawks fans mostly are, but even if he doesn't become what you think he's going to become, if he just does like a little bit better offensively, he's a guy who's going to be making eight figures per season, even as a role player. Even if you're like again pretty low on him with his defense and his ability to create a little bit offensively and shoot a little bit offensively. Even the modest projection is what this is. Like, if he's a $10 million player, that isn't like a home run in the lottery, but like that's totally like acceptable for a late lottery pick. If that guy, if you're making $10 million a year in the NBA and that's what you're worth, you're like a seventh man in the NBA. And that's like a very useful player. I know no one's going to be happy if that happens to Cam, but like that's not a bad outcome. I, I, I know people won't be happy with it. And I always, this is one of my pet peeves in the world is like, Anyone drafted in the lottery, it's like they have to be a star. It's like, no, Cam could be better than this. I think he probably will be better than this. But even if he doesn't, if he, if he's, even if he's quote-unquote just what they project, that's still really valuable. Like, that's a nice piece. Yeah, I brought that up because I think his number has so much more variance than someone like Herter, which I oh, know yeah. it's a, there's another year of sample on Herter, so 
had more information, but Herder was five years, 85, right? On 538? Uh, it's something like 80, yeah. Um, looking it up now. Yeah, 86 million. All right, for five years, right? Yep. I think Cam, his five years is probably like 50 million or 60 million right now. I think his, though, could get up to like 100 or more if he ever put it together, like over a full season. Like, he has so much variance on, like, he could be a $50 million role player, or if he went out and scored 18 points a game for someone, I don't know, I'm saying he could do that for the Hawks with all their guys. But I mean, you would have teams like asking, you know, how close to the max is cam reddish i mean oh i mean there's just the skill set like gordon hayward at the max that's what i mean that's kind of what i've been trying to say too is like the skill set of what he can do if he just improves his offense 20 percent, you become a 20 million dollar player like very easily when you're six eight and play defense the way he does and have his tools even like you're not far away from being a guy who gets a hundred million dollar contract that's that's the appeal that the appeal of that like i'm not saying it's gonna happen but if you do if he makes the jump that that hunter made from year one to year two and again hunter's i think two years older maybe even more than reddish is if he made that jump which again i don't i don't expect but it's possible if he made that kind of jump you go from being projected at 10 million dollars to being projected at 22 million dollars in a few months so it's that kind of narrow thing and that's why i started at the beginning to talk about his age like he just turned 22 and going into year three, like that's not, you know, he, he's still pretty young, man. Like he's a he's a really talented guy who hasn't played a lot. He's basically played one full season in the NBA, and it's a big year for him. I think everyone knows that, but uh, that also means that he has big upside in addition to like if he has a, if, he, if he struggles this year or gets hurt again, like you can get you can get lost kind of easily. But if he has a big year, like you break out. I don't know how many people will get this reference. But uh, he kind of has, like, more of, like, a baseball player arc, like how a lot of baseball players kind of, like, have all this hype and then they end up being good, like, three or two years later, like Byron Buxton or someone. <laughs> I don't know. It's just most NBA players, when they have all this hype, they're just, like, you see it right away, like Mitchell or Zion or, you know, Reddish had all this hype and then, like, four years down the road, you might actually end up seeing, you know, everything that you were supposed to think, thought you were supposed to see, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's almost a, uh, it's a, I almost called him a late bloomer earlier. And it's like, that that's absurd because like he was a top five prospect and also like has played two years and was hurt last year. But a year three breakout would just be like a year behind schedule, which is like totally fine. <laughs> so yeah. We believe, I mean, I we think, believe in Cam. I think it could even be later than that just because of he's not going to, he might not play a lot in year three. And if, you know, say something happens with the Hawks, you know, are pretty good in the playoffs, but you know, it doesn't go like, as good as it went last year, they might just end up saying like, okay, we want to roll with, with Cam and they might trade Bogdanovich or someone. So, I mean, or Reddish might get traded and then, you know, end up being like everything somewhere else. So, yeah, but no, I mean, we're, like you said, we're both, you know, pretty high on him. And I mean, as far as expectations for next season, which did you kind of agree with like the 24 to 25 number or do you have like a different number? Yeah, I think that's when you average it all out. I think that's kind of where I would project that he lands. I mean, I think if you assume health, he plays the least of those four guys. But I also think that um, there will be nights when he plays 30 minutes or plays 34 minutes. And yeah, I think opening night, if you had to, if if I did a full everyone healthy projection, it would be lower than 24 minutes for Reddish. But 
when you factor in the inevitable of guys missing time or sitting back-to-backs or whatever, I would go up to about where you are. So that makes sense. Well, there you go. Um, Zach, that's probably a good uh, stopping point for us on Cam, who uh, I'm sure some Hawks fans will think we're too low, and that's okay. I I think that I will say confidently we are higher than the consensus nationally on Cam. Um, Knowing knowing people around the league and talking to people around the league, I think that – I know I am, and I think you're even maybe even higher than I am on on Cam. So I think we are above that baseline, and that's uh you know, we've seen we we've probably seen him as much as anybody has, or more, maybe more than everybody else has. But uh, thanks as always for joining me on this podcast, my friend. We'll we'll be doing this again uh, later on. I'll be begging Zach to come on to finish off these capsules uh, and all that stuff. But Zach, where can people find your work? I know you're very, still very very busy in the off season. Yeah, we got our player preview series going on at Peace Roots right now. I think. Um... Lou Williams, Gorgie Jing, and Skylar Mays have already been posted. And, and then you'll see, you know, the rest of those kind of fold out uh, the rest of this month. But you can find all that, of course, you know, like I said, on Peace Troops and then me at uh, Zhood underscore on Twitter. You know, I appreciate you having me on again, Brad. Uh, look forward to finishing these out with you. My pleasure, sir. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about the show. I really appreciate all the support. Check us out also on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you next time.